0: At that time, Jesus said, I praise You, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because You have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was Your good pleasure. All things have been committed to Me by My Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. Come to Me beginning there in verse 25, serve as an introduction to the theme of what I want to share with you this morning. I'm entitled, The Message, Practicing the Rhythm and Flow of Ministry. If you have a Bible, please take it out and turn with me to Mark chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible with you, let me encourage you to take advantage of the Bible that's located in the seat rack in front of you. Turn to page 707, but I would like to hear that rustle of pages and have you have the feel of the text in your hands this morning. We began a study in this Gospel back last month and will be continuing on in the months to come. And this morning... We have come to Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 35. But before we kind of step into the text, I again want to give us the context for what I have to share with us this morning. And I'm going to return for a moment to Matthew chapter 11. But I'd like to read those last very familiar verses that begin in verse 28. And run through verse 30 out of Eugene Peterson's paraphrase, The Message. Because I think it captures something that um, is essential for us to understand and grasp as we together learn how to practice this flow of the rhythm and flow of ministry. Are you tired? worn out burned out unreligion come to me get away with me and you'll recover your life i'll show you how to take a real rest walk with me work with me watch how i do it learn the un Forced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Several times in that short scripture, It speaks of learning from Him. So this morning I want to learn from the life of Jesus how to walk in those unforced rhythms of grace. How to learn to practice the rhythm and flow of ministry. So again now, we come to our text in Mark chapter 1, verse 35 to 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you! Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Now, this is a pretty straightforward, in many ways, very simple passage. But I think as we walk through it and unpack it together this morning, we're going to discover some very significant principles which connect with your and my daily life. If you have your bulletin on the tear off, there's a room there for you to take sermon notes, and I again invite you to consider doing so, because if you're like me and like most human beings, you will rapidly forget that what you have heard. But when you write it down and perhaps reflect on it later, some of these might begin to be woven actually into the fabric of your lives. First of all, I want to talk about rhythm. The rhythm of ministry and life itself. Three components of rhythm that I want to speak of this morning. The first is this. There is a rhythm of rest and work. There is a rhythm of rest and work. And that rhythm has been established by God right into the very foundations of creation itself. If you go back to the book of Genesis, of course, we have recorded for us there, God's creating of the world. And I just took the last portion of that to illustrate what I mean by this particular principle. God saw all that He had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all of their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work He had been doing. So on the seventh day, He rested from all of His work. Now I want you to notice something very interesting that living in 21st century America, probably no one actually understands very well. Notice what it says about the sixth day. What does it say there? What do you find interesting about what the text tells us about that sixth day? Happy with what he'd done. Okay, but there's something that I want you to notice. What is it? It was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Built Right into creation is this rhythm of rest and then work. Work flowing out of rest. The Jewish Sabbath begins at sundown and goes through the night into the next day. It begins with rest And out of that rest then flows creativity and vitality and life. Most of us work till we're three quarters dead and then collapse to rest. But there's another kind of rhythm that I believe the Lord would have us to practice. And that is to begin to actually think about your life, maybe in a new way than you have, and understanding that your work, that God has given you to do, is to flow out of that place of rest. Of course, Rest follows work and it precedes work. It's this rhythm back and forth. And after God had created all things, then He rested and took the step and then work began. Think for a moment that your daily life, what you do throughout the rest of your week, why don't you start thinking about it as flowing out from... Gathering together, spending time together on the Lord's Day, Resurrection Day, the first day of the week, we come and in a sense we take a deep breath of the Spirit as we gather together, we allow His life to begin to flow into us and then we begin to work. And the rest of our week flows out of that place of rest. See, Jesus got away to that solitary place early in the morning, took that deep breath in his spirit, and then work flowed from that place of rest. I'll never forget when I was in college, um, our chaplain, Chaplain Patterson, um, at the college I went to, we had regular um, chapels at the college I went to. And where I went to school was a very, very, very highly competitive academic environment. And uh, I had to work really, really hard just to stay behind a little ways, okay? But I'll never forget one time in chapel when he challenged us. To practice Sabbath rest. To actually not study on Sundays. <laughs> it was. Rubber. But he said, try it. Just try it. And see. So I tried it and I saw. And what I discovered was that I was far more productive in the rest of my days, when I'd actually listened and walked in a rhythm of grace. And I think no matter whether we're students or work, whatever our life looks like, There is a very significant principle about rhythm here that we want to understand and grab hold of. And maybe some of us have to work on on the particular day that we celebrate and, and, and come together or whatever it might look like. But woven into your daily life and woven into your weekly life, there must be a rhythm of rest and work because all work, And no rest will leave you dull and will leave you actually less productive. Secondly, listen and do. Note the pattern here of Jesus' life. He comes apart to a solitary place to listen. to listen to the Father and then to do. Doing must flow in the rhythm of ministry and life, must flow out of listening. I don't know how many times in my life that I've gotten my feet tripped up and done it the backwards way and done and then listened later. And usually when you listen after you've done without listening... What you hear afterwards is is less helpful than what you would have heard if you'd have listened in advance. Jesus says, and I love this Scripture, one of my very favorite Scriptures, and you see it up here a lot because it's one of my favorites. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I called you friends for everything that I learned from My Father I've made known to you. You didn't choose Me. I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in My name. I have called you, friends. for everything I learned from My Father I've made known to you. The very root, and, and He talks in John 15 a lot about obedience, and the root word of obedience is listening. And so, as his friends, just as Jesus listened to the Father and then did, we are invited to listen and then to do. Does this make sense? All right. Listen and do. Third component of this rhythm is receiving and giving. Receiving and giving. When Jesus sent out His disciples, it's described for us here in Luke, in Matthew chapter 10, He says, As you go, preach this message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received. Freely give. Don't take along any gold or silver or copper in your belts. Take no bag for the journey or extra tunic or sandals or staff for the worker's worth is key. Freely you have received, now freely give. This connects directly to this year of outpouring. In the outpouring, first we receive His outpouring into our lives And then that outpouring is intended to flow through our lives. It's receiving and giving. 2 Corinthians 1. Great example of that. With the comfort you yourselves have received, comfort others. Let Let me say a word here. To all of us in this room, we are all um, cracked pots. (laughs) We have all failed. We have all been wounded. We've all been broken. We have all rebelled. We've all done. You know. We've all. We. There ain't anybody here that doesn't have some scars of life upon your soul. But let me tell you that those scars do not disqualify you from ministry. In fact, those scars in the hands of the Lord who heals us and delivers us and saves us and frees us in the very place where we have received His mercy and grace, those places of brokenness actually become open doors for us to minister to others and to hold the door open for them to receive from Him in the same places and in the same ways in which we have received freely you have received freely give that's the rhythm we're talking about rest and work listen and do receive and give all right let's go on now let's talk about the flow again three components The flow of ministry. I've uh, served here now for 18 and a half years, and over that time, you've heard me talk about the first component. If you've been here 18 and a half years, you could stand up here and preach this part of the message with me. The first is that of being led and not driven. being led, not driven. Let's go back to our text for a moment. Very very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where He prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for Him, and when they found Him, they exclaimed... You better come down there looking for you. You're a you're a hero. Everybody wants a peace. Come on, now is the time. If Jesus had been like many, if not most of us, he'd have been right there all over that. Oh yeah, better get down there. Lots of needs, lots of people. They've went and gotten more friends. There's more things to do. Better go doing that. Jesus wasn't driven by the expectations of people around him. Jesus understood that need does not constitute a call. Nor was he because of he was perfectly whole, he didn't function with some of those scars we do. So he wasn't driven by internal stuff either. His own brokenness or frustrations or hurts or wounds or all the different kinds of things that can be drivers in our souls. Where we become relentlessly restless trying to somehow put a balm on that place in us that just feels so out of sorts. couple of familiar scriptures, Jesus gave them this answer, John five nineteen. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. Don't you believe that I'm in the father and that the father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own, rather it's the father living in me who is doing his work. It's the father living in me who is doing his work. Led, not driven. Being led, not driven. This is the flow of ministry. When Jesus, again, when He sent out the disciples, it says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of Him to every, I love this, to every town and place where He was about to go. And He told them the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. Note, He's sending them out where He is about to go. When we are cooperating with Him in the flow of ministry, when we're seeing what the Father is doing and doing that, then we are in alignment with His purpose, His plan, What He's up to. And there's just a flow that happens because Jesus is already there waiting for us and He's right behind us and He's coming and He's with us. There in the flow of our ministry. Being led, not driven. Secondly, second component of this As Jesus' ministry flow was one that was whole, not compartmental. We take everything and sort of put it into different boxes in our lives. Sacred, secular, you know, everything is all compartmentalized. But Jesus didn't compartmentalize in the way that we do. Jesus didn't make a distinction between words and deeds. He talked the talk and He walked the walk. He not only proclaimed the truth through proclamation, declared the truth, but He also confirmed that truth with the exercise of His authority and power. And He demonstrated that truth by living it out in very practical ways with those with whom He ministered to. For Jesus, there was no sort of split between word and deed. They were one. So it should be for us. Jesus didn't compartmentalize between soul and body and spirit. He ministered to all. The whole person. He just didn't go around preaching. He also healed. He not only healed, but He delivered. So there was salvation and deliverance and healing and all kinds of things and restoration were being brought into people's lives because His ministry was holistic, not compartmentalized like we so often do. And Jesus didn't make the compartment between earth and heaven. We talked about. I've shared that diagram a couple times. The kingdom of God is here, near, you know, and the kingdom to come. And the he didn't, he didn't sort of he he lived in both realities. You know, you've heard the phrase: you can be so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. You can have such, you know, there there there's sometimes that some folks have such an overrealized spirituality that it's all it's somewhere you listen and it's all up here and over here and it sounds all really good but there's like nothing going on here like the daily living thing is just sort of missing and there's this there's this compartment over here and they've they've missed the wholeness that the lord wants to bring on the other hand there's some folks that are so you know um you know, the C.S. Lewis, you know, the aim, aim for earth, you're going to miss heaven. The aim for heaven, you get earth thrown in. Okay? So there is a piece of needing to aim for something larger than just your daily existence. There's something bigger that you are being invited into. Something larger than just what's going on in front of your nose. Jesus lived that out perfectly in His flow of ministry. He invites us to as well. One more in the flow. Relational and intentional. Let me explain. Let's, uh, let me, let's go to the corresponding Scripture to Mark 1 in Luke 4. It's uh, Luke's recording of, the, of basically the same thing that's going on here in, in Mark. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place and the people were looking for Him. And when they came to where He was, they tried to keep Him from leaving them. But He said, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also because that's why I was sent. And He kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Two things that I want you to notice here. First of all, again, Jesus is in this solitary place in relationship His ministry is flowing out of his relationship with his Father. Okay? That's why he's in the solitary place. He's not out there going, hmm, in the desert. Okay? He's not emptying his mind. He's filling his Spirit with life from his Father. All ministry flows out of relationship. Relationship vertically and relationship with other folks. All ministry flows out of relationship. Healthy relationship. But there's also a very significant intentionality about what Jesus does here. We don't get it so much in the English translations of the text. You have to kind of go back and a little bit dig a little bit deeper into the to the Greek. But where it says here, um, "I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also," it's this particular specific word for town that's used there. Let me describe it this way. Um, Before I pastored here a long, long time ago, I pastored up in a town called Kettle River, Minnesota. Actually, I pastored in the suburbs of Kettle River, four miles outside of town, a town of 174. Okay? But seven miles from where we pastored and lived, there was another town, Moose Lake, which some of you have seen on your way up through to Duluth. And that was a town of about 1,200, 1,300. But it was larger than that in terms of its regional influence because all of these other small towns came to Moose Lake for their, you know, economic activity, for social activity. For, so there's sort of a hub, kind of a hub town, okay? The word that is used here in the text is that word for a hub town. In other words, Jesus was very intentional about where He went. He went to the towns and synagogues where it would have the maximum regional influence in where He was going. He was both spontaneous, but also extremely strategic. And that's, a balance that we are invited into in the flow of our ministry life. To be spontaneous, I call it the ministry of interruptions. About half of my ministry is the ministry of interruptions. But I intend to be very strategic and intentional about the other pieces. So it's both. Does this make sense? Are you with me? All right, finally, let's talk about practicing this rhythm and flow, okay? So, the flow of ministry led, not driven, whole, not compartmental, and relational and intentional. Let's talk about practicing. Very simple. Let's go to Luke 11, the very familiar passage. But notice, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place. So here we have, Jesus is praying again. Can I, can I say something kind of obvious? Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, carves a place in his life for prayer. Do we think that we are more full of the Spirit than Jesus, that we wouldn't need to spend time in prayer? One day Jesus was praying in a certain place and when He had finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. Now, here's what I want you to notice very quickly about this practicing prayer. First of all, it says He went to a certain place. In fact, the Scriptures describe several times where Jesus goes away, and it it isn't always the same exact location, but it's generally a solitary place. In fact, in Mark, three times He goes off. In Mark 1 here, it talks about Him going off into a wilderness place. And twice, two other times He does. Right after the... Loaves and fishes, miracle. And then in the Garden of Gethsemane, He goes to this solitary place. Right at critical moments in His ministry, Jesus goes away to a particular place to pray. And the invitation for us is to discover, if we're going to have a practice of prayer, maybe to discover a place of prayer in our lives. Where is it that we can go to pray? And when we get there, to remind ourselves that we're meeting with someone, a person. We're meeting with the God of the universe to have conversation and dialogue together with Him. We're not simply going to do some sort of religious ritual that we run through so that we can put a little check mark on our scorecard that yes, I did my religious duty today. We're meeting with Him. And it's an ongoing conversation that goes on all day long. And there's a purpose to this. Now, what is the purpose? Well, let me tell you what the purpose is not. The purpose is not for us to go into prayer in order that we can get Him to come in alignment with us. God... I just want you to bless what I'm going about to do and where I'm going and what I'm doing. This. We're not trying to get Him to line up with us. He doesn't move that much. He's kind of pretty solid. We sing The Rock. Boom. We're coming in alignment with Him. We're there for the purpose of getting our heart, our mind, our spirit properly aligned with Him. So prayer isn't just about talking, it's about listening. All right. And there's a pattern. You can study the Lord's Prayer. We won't take time to do that this morning and discern a pattern there of prayer. Again, beginning with the relationship, Father and Worship and Intercession and petition, and all of these things are a part of this pattern of prayer. And not that we slavishly follow some particular pattern, but rather that we enter into this ongoing relational reality with Him in a pattern of prayer. And then there is a promise. There is a promise attached to practicing this rhythm and flow, to practicing prayer. As we practice, the promise is this. It's found just a few verses beyond in Luke 11. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And he who knocks, to him who knocks, the door will be opened." Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The promise is that of asking to receive. Seeking to find, knocking, and open doors. A year or better ago, we put a box up here with the word ask on it. And you can still, anytime, you can take a piece of paper from up here and write down something that you're specifically asking of Him. And we're going to just keep trusting together that He's going to take those askings and turn them into answers and testimonies that we can then pin up on the banner of outpouring as the Lord keeps pouring out His life through us. When I look around this congregation, I'm always stunned. Literally, I'm just amazed. By the amount of life that flows from this house. By standard definitions, we're certainly nowhere in what you would call the megachurch sort of milieu of life or, you know, quote unquote, the big whatever. That's certainly not us. But in terms of influence, Enormous. So much that's going on outside of these four walls. Not even only in just like ministry, but just life. Where, where you're living your life. In your workplaces, in your neighborhoods, in your school, in your homes. Life. So my invitation for you this morning is, is a pretty simple one. I want to invite you to think about the terrain of your life for a moment. What do I mean by that? I just mean, you know, where God's placed you. Your, your home, your work, your school, your neighborhood, church. Kind of all of the various dimensions of life. And I'd like to invite you to ask the Lord to help you discover a rhythm and flow of ministry that will result in even greater life and fruitfulness flowing through you. Simple. But I believe the Lord wants to do that. As much life as there is in this place, He wants to multiply it exponentially. So let's ask Him, to help us learn from Him. Because otherwise you're going to be tired and burn out and worn out. I mean, religion, wow. It's a taskmaster. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirts. It's no fun. But He just wants to flow in relationship with us. He wants to teach us the unforced rhythms of grace So that we, individually and corporately, can together begin to live our life out in a life-giving, healthy way. That sound all right to you? I don't know. Anybody interested in that? All right. I know I am. So, (laughs) Um, worship team, please come back up. Thank you for your ministry to us this morning. And as they come, would you just open your hands and your heart right now. Just, let's just open our hands before the Lord, if you would. Open your heart. Spirit of God, I ask you to come right now and look over the terrain of our lives. Jesus, invite You to come and teach us in the place, Lord God, in the places where we need to learn from You about these unforced rhythms of grace. And the flow of life in ministry. Instruct us, Jesus. We need you. Help us, Lord. Teach us.
1: We submit ourselves to you. We surrender
0: ourselves afresh to you this morning. Let's sing together All I Want.